Rachel Gable at the Fence Post, and this is Fair Cattle Markets for October 15th. This week in the Tri-State and in the Fence Post, I'm working on my second half of my coverage of the congressionally mandated investigation into um, done by lots of economists into the markets. So it's about 180, 200 pages, and it's, um, I'm sure you've heard about it. It's published by Texas A&M University. And it has information from all of the economists from basically the land grant universities. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting in here was that in a congressionally mandated investigation into the meatpackers uh, practices, uh, this one was mandated by the USDA and the Federal Trade Commission. It was noted, noted that the prices of livestock frequently have no relation to the cost of production making cattle feeding a risky business, which of course we all know. Fluctuations are great enough to burden the feeders and the consumers alike. A quote from that study, well-informed stockmen are convinced that these erratic price movements can be explained only on the theory of manipulation by packers, whom they regard as the beneficiary of changes. Of course, this investigation was done in 1920. So as this uh, new investigation, new uh, look into the markets was published in 2021, we can see that a lot of those uh, problems that were happening in 1920 seem to still be uh, the problem. The four main findings from that, uh, that according to the National Cattlemen's Beef Association now, uh, government intervention in cattle markets is likely to cost $16 billion in lower prices over the next 10 years. Alternative marketing arrangements, or AMAs, do not change the underlying supply and demand fundamentals. AMAs have value and were initiated by cattle feeders to capture that value. And price discovery is still robust, even though less than 30% of the transactions are from cash negotiations. Of course, Gerald Schreiber, who's the president of RCAF uh, USA, called yesterday and I visited with him. And he certainly uh, doesn't agree with all of the findings and I'm sure that there's lots of folks out there who don't, but um, you can certainly see all of the, the main points from that report in our coverage in the Fence Post and Tri-State this week. Um, moving on, we are at Tri-State Livestock News and the Fence Post welcoming Sam Tenpenny to our staff. Sam is also a Fort Hayes State University alumna, which is near and dear to my heart. That's where I graduated as well. And she is up out of the Bell office. Uh, Sam is actually with me today, and I wanted to take a second and introduce her to you as she will be taking the reins on uh, events, marketing, promotions, and the fair cattle markets updates. Sam, I'm so glad to have you on the team. It was We actually got to meet in Bell, which was fun because there were so many staffers that I was meeting for the first time, even though I've been here for a long time. But if you would take just a second and introduce yourself, that would be wonderful. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me on today, Rachel. Um, as mentioned, my name's Sam Tenpenny. I just started with Tri-State here about a month or so ago. Um, we'll be taking over the Fair Cattle Markets platform here. Rachel's done a great job, and I'm excited to, to build on what she's, uh, what she's done here. So I'm um, looking forward to getting started. We'll also be handling all things events, promotions, um, anything that kind of falls into that realm. So um, as she stated, I'm here in the Belfouche office, actually working from home today. But you can get a hold of me in the Belfouche office. And uh, yeah, looking, looking forward to, to getting going here. 
Well, I think it'll be fun. And I think I'm excited to see how you kind of attack the fair cattle markets because your background is really in that organizational and events planning, working for ADM, working for National Western, working for the American Royal Association and for the Grain Marketers Association there in Kansas, that you really don't have any preconceived notions. And I think that is a, a gift, no matter what side of the fence you sit on as it relates to cattle markets. Yeah, I'm excited to bring a different perspective. Um, as she mentioned, I, I uh, graduated with an animal science degree. I've interned at some of the, the larger stock shows in the country, and I've got a grain and feed and ag retail background. Um, but this is kind of my first uh, first dive into the livestock industry on a professional stage, if you will. So um, excited to, to learn with you guys and, and, and see where this goes. I had the chance to sit down with Justin Tupper, but before I go to that, I want to tell you this. In a congressionally mandated investigation into meatpacker business practices by the USDA and the Federal Trade Commission, it was noted that the prices of livestock so frequently have no relation to cost of production, making cattle feeding a risk, risky business. And the fluctuations are great enough to burden the feeders and the consumers. A quote from the report says, well-informed stockmen are convinced that these erratic price movements can be explained only on the theory of manipulation by packers, whom they regard as the beneficiaries of these changes. This report was released in 1920 after this uh, Texas A&M University report was released in 2021, where we can see that we're facing essentially the same problems. Uh, Justin Tupper is the owner and operator of St. Ange Livestock Auction Company and the vice president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. And I had the chance to visit with him as he was on the panel that heard these findings and the presentations by the economists from the land-grant universities across the country. Here's Justin on from A&M and I'm looking through kind of the big takeaways that NCBA keeps throwing out and I wondered if you could talk to me a little bit about uh, which part of that really stuck out to you that government intervention would be harmful the AMAs don't change the supply and demand or um, that price discovery is still robust yeah and I totally disagree with all of them and they did a poor job of uh, animating my disagreements there. The couple things they did highlight was I said, one of the most important things in true price discovery is the second bidder. And uh, if you don't have a second bidder, you really can't have true price discovery. And uh, they talk about it a little bit in their summary, but very little, I've read it also. Um, you know, the other thing to me, they talk about uh, efficiencies and, and how efficient uh, these AMAs and, and some of these things make them. Well, if you have to give up efficiencies or you have to give up competition for efficiencies, then we've lost again. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with a, uh, an AMA that uh, somebody has set up that they believe works for them, but we can't have all of them that way because then there's nothing left for them to compete for. And it, it really boils down to competition. And uh, the Packer and somehow NCBA has decided competition is not important, but uh, they think you can have price discovery without it. And that's just not true. Right. Did you, when I read through this, I was like, Tupper was on that panel. I don't think that, uh, <laughs> that yeah, it was they, like, they oh, they all agreed. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. 
It's kind of how what I thought. And then it was said like one one panelist said, "I'm like, oh, I must have been Tupper." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly how they did it. I was pretty disappointed with how they summarized that. Mm-hmm. Outside of the competition, what what do you think people need to to come away from this with? You know, government intervention, and I, nobody loves more government. I don't want more government. Nobody does. But this is how we got here. More government is how we got here. The the big four packers are, are the only ones that can get by all the government regulations so they can operate. The small guy can't get through the red tape to do it. So if the idea that more government regulation is totally bad is we already have it. You know, every one of those guys that doesn't like it, I bet they've taken a government check in the last year. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that that's part of life. I mean, I don't love it. It's not the best, but it is what it is. And, and there's no other way out of it other than break them up. And I brought that up and it didn't even come out in their summary. And there's precedent been set for breaking them up. Uh, you either break them up or you have to regulate them. I mean, there's no other way. When they have that much market power and that much market share, they have all the controls, and until those controls are changed in some way, shape, or form, we are stuck in this take-it-or-leave-it business model for everybody except for their big buddy corporate feeders and the few guys that have their sweetheart deals with the packer. The rest of us that uh, distinguish the market and are true market participants are left on the outside. Right. If we push back at them enough, do you think there'll ever be a day where they just say, to hell with you, we're not going to take your cattle anymore? You know, I, mean, I think that's a possibility, but, you know, they need us as much as they need them. This goes back, if you, I don't know if you're a history some, but back in the NFO days, way back, even before my time some, that, that was the factor they used, that, that the farmers and ranchers were going to hold out. You know, now... There's so many committed cattle to the packer that, that even if all of us that aren't committed would hold out, we can't hardly hurt them. Right. And that's the problem. I mean, they have so much market power and so much market share that we can't get at them. And, and so I get it. I understand the argument of not wanting more government because I don't like it either, but there is no other way. Yeah, we're too far deep now, huh? Yeah. I heard some rumblings, and it was from Gerald Schreiber, but he was telling me that with the Mocan barn, that they opened in Missouri mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. plant, that he can't get mm-hmm. his stuff on the shelf. Are, have okay. you heard anything about that? The, yeah, this is really the untold part of the Packers that needs told. They control the outdoor, which means the meat going out. They're they're more ruthless on that side than, in, than even on our side. The, the big uh, grocery store chains, they have all of those contracts. And... Mocan Market had gotten into a few of their local, I forget what the, the chain is that they got into, but corporate got wind that they were, the local stores were taking meat from them. The big guys found that out and they squeezed them out and they can no longer sell their meat in their stores. That's the kind of thing that they have with the market power that they, they wheeled around and they can use it on both sides of the door. The end cattle coming in and the meat going out the door because there's four of them with that kind of market power and that's what scares me about everybody talking about these packing plants. Just build a plant. We need more capacity. That's fine and good. But if you can't sell the meat, if they're going to squeeze you out once you get those built, they're going to buy that plant for $0.10 cents on the dollar, and we just built the big four, a brand-new packing house. 
Mm-hmm. And that, that then we're worse off than we were before. Right. So, so I mean, the controls that they have on both sides of the, the packing uh, industry, the meat going out and the cattle coming in, need the same kind of leverage work done. You know, we're close, just off the cuff here a little bit, but we are so close. We have the political will to make change. We have right and wrong on our side, and people can see it. They have gouged the consumer. They have gouged the producer. It's right. If our own industry groups would get the hell out of each other's way and let this go, you know, and, and it scares me on both sides. I mean, it might be our calf. It might be. We've got to get something passed, and it's going to have to be a compromise. It isn't going to be everything RCAP wants. It isn't going to be everything U.S. government wants, and it definitely is not going to be everything NCBA wants. But enough of those NCBA members have been rising up within. I think they're catching a lot of flack to at least change the narrative in some way, shape, or form. Now, we're never going to get them all the way turned, but if we could at least get it where we could get uh, some type of bill that is a hybrid of grassleys and uh, fishers somewhere in the middle there, that would be leaps and bounds in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Is there any concern with those type of bills, the 5014 or, you know, that type that we'd be mandating to people how they market their cattle? There is somewhat, you know, because, but, but I think right now, uh, we're dictating how they have to be the mandates already out there. If I'm trying to sell cattle to them and I can't get a bid from a packer, isn't that a mandate? They've already done it to us. They, they've got enough cattle that captive supply that they don't have to bid on mine, or they bid on them five to eight weeks out. So to me, it's already there, and, and we've already destroyed uh, the way that those cattle are sold. So we, we've got to reform it in a huge way, even if that means that uh, there's going to be some people not maybe get to do it exactly how they want. And, and the key is going to be the packer is going to know they're going to make changes. If we put any of this in place, they're going to find ways to, to manipulate it and change it. That's what they do. They're big business. We just have to make sure whatever legislation we push through, that there's enough flexibility to change with them and make the changes we need when they make moves without another act of Congress to do it. Right. Why don't the packers have to trade beef like as a commodity, like on a board? That's a great question, and you'd have to have somebody smarter than me to know that answer. I don't, but uh, that's a great question. Yeah, they just tell us what it, what the price is. They set the price, and and uh, those uh, uh, big chain stores or whoever's buying it, uh, they either take it or they don't. You know, <laughs> it's quite a business model. I mean, we'd love it. Everybody would. I would love it here if I could dictate what I get for it going in and I get the price of it on the way out. I mean, I, I don't know how much better you can have it. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not much. All right. Anything else I'm overlooking? No, I probably tangented it up to you enough for today. <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks, Justin. Yep. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Mom, Mom, I'm...